Part of the Boundless Audio Podcast Network. Part of the Boundless Audio Podcast Network. whining about history and happy women's history month this is the time of year where the world is going to pay a bit more attention to women than normal basically they're going to pay the amount of attention they should pay the rest of the year which seems to be the standard when we have these kind of like celebratory months which i'm always appreciative of but it's also kind of like really fun fact about women's history month is in the united states the united kingdom and australia we celebrate during march in Canada, they celebrate in October, but with it being Women's History Month, it also means International Women's Day is coming up, March 8th, which just so happens to be our birthday, and we've been doing this incredibly insane bullshit for five years. Which means we should probably be better at it by now. Maybe. Maybe I should be a little better at it. I'm like, I'm a little well, anxious. Yeah, I think it's me, not you. I feel like I'm a little anxious to tell people we've been doing it for five years because people are always like, wow, that's really impressive because like no one does a podcast for more than a year. And I'm like, don't tell me it's impressive until you've heard it. But also <laughs> please listen don't to listen first. to yeah. it. If I know you personally, please don't listen to it. Yeah. I mean, okay, the, the people we know personally who listen are so loving right. and wonderful. It's more like if you know me, like, professionally or not personally. Oh, yeah. Don't listen to it. Actually, I, I think I said this a while back when it happened, but uh, my coworker uh, said something like, well, I know Emily swears. I've heard her podcast. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it, was, it was a compliment. You know, right. it, it wasn't a negative, but I was like, I didn't think anyone would actually fucking listen to it. Shit. That's funny. Yep. No, it's, but yeah, Women's History Month. This is our time to shine. This is our time this to shine. This is our fucking moment. This is the moment where people are like, oh, hey, who are those bitches who do the Women's History podcast? Maybe we should talk to them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know. It's a, it's a good month for us. It's a good month for the world. It's the hype. It's um, the hype. Did you know that there is actually, at least in the United States, there is a um, theme for Women's History Month? Because I didn't until like 10 minutes ago. I did because I think I made a post about it that is scheduled to go out. Or, Do you remember uh, what the theme is? I don't because I schedule, I made the post and scheduled it to go out and I don't remember. It's something like um, Uplifting Diverse Voices. Close, yes. Okay. Um, this this month, this year and month, um, and I, I don't know if this is like considered for all of it or if it's just in the u.s but yeah according to the national women's history alliance it is women who advocate for equity diversity and inclusion that's okay yeah so it recognizes women who understand that for a positive future we need to eliminate bias and discrimination entirely from our lives and institutions so that's the theme i love that um i probably won't be on theme because I mean, I mean, our whole our whole podcast is on theme. On theme. <laughs> I was going to say the nature of what we do is deeply and painfully on theme. <laughs> We're always on theme. My, my story will perhaps be a little too on the nose for the theme, um, but it is definitely within the theme of Women's History Month. I mean, which we celebrate every month. Yeah, exactly. Every day. Every day. It is a way of life. 
No, seriously, I go to a museum or I go anywhere and I'm like, where are the women at? Where oh, yeah, are the that's women exactly at? That's exactly what I do too. What's I'm like, up? I'm like this, is, this is what I need to go first and spend the most time yep. because I find it the most interesting anyways. Yep. So, yeah. Happy Women's History Month, Emily. Happy Women's History Month, Kelly. To one of my favorite ladies who's making her story every day. So sad. Can I also just say, I, okay, not all women get their periods. That's fine. I'm just saying, I think anyone who gets a period should get March off. Like, consequence-free, just, like, take it. No, no. Can we all just agree to, like, not? Like, can we can we strike me- menstruation? I don't know. Can we? Because it feels a little unfair. <laughs> <laughs> we have to have them during March. It feels a little shitty. I'm just saying. Give That's me a vacay. Funny. I need a vacay. You need a vacay? I need so, a vacay. So what's our wine, Emily? Well, because I can't have a vacay from my bodily functions, uh, I'm going to escape into this beautiful bottle of misfits and mavens. Ooh, that sounds highly appropriate. The label for this bottle is like... And it's, it's like a Renfest on acid and everyone's drinking wine. There's a mermaid who's drinking wine. There is a wizard who has like a little flag and some gold sticking out of his robe, but it's too high to be his penis. So I think we're okay. There's, there's someone who's playing a giant bottle of wine like a lute. Nice. There's a dude with a bunch of beer. And at the top it says wine for all and all for wine. It's beautiful. So this is a Cabernet Sauvignon. Of course. Grown and harvested in California. And I literally just got this because of the label. I Um, mean, that's like half the wine we drink, I feel like. I actually, I got a Snapchat from uh, Tierney. What's up, girl? And she sent me a picture of a bottle of wine that she got that was called Rain Cloud. And it's like a little rain cloud with the rain coming down on this little girl who's got an umbrella and is like blocking the rain. She's like, I just got it for the label. And then she sends me another Snapchat. Holy shit, it's so good. I'm like, hey, I buy wine for the label all the time. It never disappoints. Right. Because like the number one reason I buy wine. Do you ever, do you ever hear, do you ever like hear a song for the first time where you're watching the music video or you hear it in a movie and you're so just taken by the whole audiovisual experience Mm -hmm. and then you go to listen to the song and it doesn't hit the same? Yeah. That is why that that's what I feel about these wine labels. Like the wine label gets me in the mindset and then everything else is just a giant party in right, my mouth. Exactly. Yeah. So this is coming in at a whole 14.5 ABV, sustainably farmed, dry, full-bodied, mm-hmm. dark fruit. I love it. And according to the Surgeon General, women should not drink alcoholic beverages. Drop a line. During pregnancy. So, cheers, Kelly, to Women's History Month. Wrong, wrong thing. I'm to an upcoming five years of doing this. Heck yeah. This is, this is, okay, give it another, like, year, and it's going to be longer than my longest relationship. Like, this is insane. Cheers. Cheers. I, I was going to say, I taste the dark fruit. It, it is full. It tastes really good. It is full by though. Like, it's got a little bit of a, like, edge to it, but not in the way that sometimes you get that with red wine where it's, like, yeah. spicy. It's like too much. Yeah. yeah. No. It's good, though. This it's is, good. Yeah. I could just 
like drink this entire bottle. I'm not like normally super big into dry reds, but this is this is really good. You like Kabsovs. Like I do, I do, but I I like the juicy ones. I like the wet ones. The wet. wet. (laughs) Explain to me how a bottle of liquid can be dry. This is how. Glug glug. It's dry. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Because it's not there anymore. Because (laughs) Oh, how is this wine dry? Because that's how I drank it. Yeah, exactly. Dry. Mic drop. Mic drop. Chuck the glass into the wall. It shatters. The glass is also dry because I drank all the wine from that too. What's up? <laughs> and then you just leave. No, you I leave just leave the room. I just leave. I say all of that and then I walk out and the whole time I'm maintaining eye contact with the yeah, person. Just like intense eye contact. Like I even like lean my head over when I'm going around the corner so I like look at them as long as humanly possible. That's like a good plan. I don't know who this person that we're trying to intimidate either. is, but we're fucking coming for them. Yeah, they're going to be <laughs> super intimidated. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Well. You get to go first. Shit. Okay. I was so excited that I didn't have to do the intro and I forgot I had to go first. But this is fine. Everything's it's fine. fine. The world's fine. It's five years of fine. Yeah, basically. So, um... I was out of town for my birthday, and so this was going to be one of my stories for Black History Month, but again, Black history is American history, is world history, is our history, so it's always appropriate, and again, we don't just cover stories of Black women during Black History Month, so. Also accurate. I am really excited about this story, because it is equal parts, it's kind of whimsical in a way. It's, but also like the subject matter makes the dark stuff even more absurd. Okay. So we're, you know, I am intrigued. It kind of matches, it kind of matches this, this wine label because it's like chaos. What the fuck is happening here? Like nothing you expect is happening here. So today I am covering Maurice Bolden. Okay. Picture it. Sicily, 1912. No. Thousands of onlookers sit in the newly built Hippodrome Theater in Cleveland, Ohio. That's very different than Sicily. The gem of the Midwest. It's not. Although I do hear that they got an Ikea. Good for them. Good job, Cleveland. Teams from across the United States have fought tooth and nail to get here, but only one can be crowned as the champion. One competitor steps to the center of the stage. The bright lights blind her to three tiers of theater seats packed with 6,000 spectators before her. She pushes down her nerves with thoughts of her mother and father and how all they want is for her to win. The announcer takes a deep breath and speaks the words that he has repeated countless times. Your word is... Yeah, like, this is either like a spelling bee or a singing competition. <laughs> Marie C. Bolden was only 14 years old Damn. when she stepped onto the Hippodrome stage on June 29th, 1908. While spelling bee competitions were nothing new, the National Education Association's conference was holding the first nationwide spelling bee. Host, hosting teams from across the country, including from New Orleans, Pittsburgh, and then Marie's native Ohio. Woohoo. Yeah, Midwest. 
Marie, the daughter of a mail carrier, stood out amongst the hundreds of other contestants, not for her spelling prowess, but because she was the only black contestant amongst an otherwise all-white competition. Like, I would love to be like, oh, that's so shocking, but honestly, it's it's not. Less than 50 years after the end of the American Civil War, racism was still thriving. 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 Probably less so in the Midwest, but like, Well, still. I'm not going to say less so, but perhaps in a different way. There you go. Yeah, that, that's a good way to say it. Because, I mean, if we, if we think of Milwaukee is one of the most, still one of the most segregated cities in the United States, and that's north. That's true. Like... Anyway, um, Marie was more than aware of the prejudices against her. In fact, prejudice was one of the words that she had to spell (laughs) along with persevere, misspell, and embarrass. Interesting. All of these words are gonna feel like they're all like so painfully relevant to I know, her I'm story. Like, Man, like, like I, I wonder if at did any they point, pick those for her, right? Or if that like announcer just had that moment of like I don't I don't want to ask this person to spell this. Like oh god. <laughs> Representatives from New Orleans, in particular, were none too happy about an integrated competition. And remember, integrated is one black student. Amongst hundreds of white students. (laughs) One article from the Cincinnati Inquirer stated that the New Orleans team, quote, balked at the idea of spelling against a Negro girl. And that is a quote. If I'm using outdated language, that's why. And I just really want to highlight how insane all of this is. I will reference that article again because they have the best fucking headline like the best worst fucking the, headline? No, the best okay. best headline. Like it's it's perfect. It perfectly summarizes this story, but I didn't want to like I didn't want to spoil the ending. Yeah. I didn't want to spoil the ending. So the New Orleans team knew that they may have to compete against an integrated team. And when the school board met to discuss how they would respond, should this be the case, one member said, one member of the new of the New Orleans school board said, go ahead and knock the out. That's that's horrible. Remember, this is a competition for children. These are school children. He's talking about he's using violent racist language against a literal child. It is so fucking disgusting. I like. I I literally I'm just like. Yeah, (laughs) it's it's so it's so bad. And again, this is a fucking spelling bee. Like, not that that makes it, uh, not that any other competition would make it okay, but it's like, calm the fuck down. It is a spelling bee, sir. (laughs) Like, Jesus. Exactly. This is is a really weird thing to, like, get that worked up about. Like, I get you're a racist. I get that's where you are. I get that's the choices you're making. But it's a goddamn spelling bee. Fuck off, dude. (laughs) Yeah. So Marie was actually ranked as the weakest speller on her team, but she studied her fucking ass off. Her parents and friends helped her memorize words, and she read voraciously to perfect her spelling. And these are all strategies that competitors still use today. So, I mean, this is kind of like the template for what modern-day spelling bee participants do. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. That's so cool, too. Like, And, yeah, like, everyone's getting in on it. It's not just her. Yeah, and unfortunately, I couldn't find a ton of information. I couldn't even find, like, her birthday. I couldn't find, you know, like, 
maybe what her parents thought. Like there are a lot of newspaper articles that just talked about her dad being a mail carrier. And that that's all I know, but it sounds like they were very supportive. Good. So that that's awesome. So the competition consisted of both written and oral testing. They had to correctly spell 100 words in writing and then spell 400 words aloud on stage in front of thousands of spectators. Is the writing portion still a portion of spelling bees? Because like I all I've know. ever heard or seen yeah. or like experienced is the live spelling. Yeah, and I and I don't know. And when I think of the live spelling, I think of like kind of the the sudden death and elimination where it's like you get a word wrong, you're out. Yeah. Until it gets down to the two people. Uh, this was both, and I'll get into it, but this was both judging the individual spellers, but also the teams. Yeah, so there's like, like so it, everyone got probably a certain amount of points depending on how they did or something. Yeah, yeah it, it was who got the fewest errors. Yeah, okay, that so. makes sense. But yeah, I, I don't know. And even like my my opening where your word is, I don't know if that actually happened. I don't know if they said that at that time, Too bad but they, I'm a writer and now this is what happened. You can't, you weren't fucking there. You can't tell me. exactly. <laughs> so Ba-ba-ba. also, have you ever had like anxiety brain where you're oh, really yeah. stressed out and you just turn into a fucking idiot? Or like, even if you're not stressed out, sometimes you just like when you get asked a question, your brain just goes, nope, you don't know anything now. Yeah. So just imagine these children on this stage in front of 6,000 people under the hot lights being asked to spell words they've been studying. And then Marie in particular, she knows everyone is gunning for her. Oh, and she yeah. knows that she is the only black competitor. And she also knows that a lot of people are really fucking pissed that she's there. Like just the pressure. And she's 14. Well, and I'm sure there's fear too of like, you know, how are these people going to react? Because there was a lot of violence still during this time. Oh yeah. So teams were judged collectively, but individuals were also in competition with each other. Of the 500 total words that Marie had to spell, she spelled... 500 do I know 500 I'm sure you do but like can you spell 500 words maybe not I don't do articles count the a i probably not um (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh my you know my first word was what Uh uh-oh oh which is so indicative of how I have lived my entire life does that one count I can spell uh uh-oh Unless I have to know if it's hyphenated or not. It is. Is it? Mm-hmm. Okay. So of the 500 words that Marie had to spell, she spelled every single fucking one correctly. Fuck yeah. Every goddamn one correctly. Not only helping to secure the win for her team, which was actually trailing behind um, the New Orleans team. And I think it was like the Erie, Pennsylvania team. Uh, so she secured the win up for her team. Uh, because they only had 30 errors total, but she also secured the individual championship for herself because she was the only person out of these hundreds and hundreds of kids who spelled everything perfectly. Fuck yeah. This made Marie, and like, okay, I'm just going to say like, statistically that seems like insane, you know? So this made Marie the first person ever to win a national spelling bee. Yeah girl african-american or otherwise she was the first the first 
Upon her win, Marie was celebrated with, quote, a storm of applause, which I'm like, yes, and awarded a gold medal, which I'm like, oh, I love that. I mean, I know, I know people take spelling bees very seriously, but again, it's just like, oh my God, calm down, calm down. It's a bunch of kids spelling. Like, why does your racism have to try and ruin this innocuous right, like, contest? Like, yeah. Jesus Christ. So Booker T. Washington, ever heard of him, was one of the members in the audience and congratulated Marie. And he would later comment, you will admit that we can spell out, out you will admit that we spell out of the same spelling book that you do. And I think you will also admit that we spell a little better. Booker oh, T's fucking damn. coming for you. Booker T's coming for everybody. But I love that because it's like, we all spell out the same spelling book. How is this? How is this a race? Like, how, yeah, how, how, how is this a race thing? Yeah. How? Tell me how. Also, if it is, if, if there is any like data behind like, oh, white students are better than black students. It's because historically up until this point, like black people were prevented from learning how to read period. This is less than 50 years after the American civil war. Right. We are like just coming out of a fuck ton of damage, but I love it. He's like, Hey, we can literally say now that we might spell a little better because like bitch this cause Marie fucking won. So yeah. suck my dick. <laughs> Booker T spilling the tea. <laughs> So Warren Hicks, Cleveland's assistant superintendent of schools and the event's organizer said, this historical event was planned to foster the better teaching of spelling in school, but it resulted in more than that. It demonstrated again that in our schools, every boy and every girl has a fair chance. Which, yeah, they absolutely should. Yeah, right. Whether they do, Uh, different story. Of her win, Marie told the New York Times, quote, I did not enter the spelling contest for personal glory, but to try and help bring honor to my teacher and my school. She's so fucking precious. We, unfortunately, we don't get to hear a lot from her. No, of course Um, not. Mostly what we get to hear are excerpts and quotes from newspaper articles that were written after she won this, won the spelling bee. Yeah. Um, but she just seems so sweet. Like, I just want to give her a hug and a high five and, like, kick someone in the face on her behalf. I don't know. Whatever. Eat wherever she wants. It's wherever she wants. Kick someone in the face on her behalf. I mean, we're, we're about to meet uh, some people that we want to kick in the face. Oh, okay. But first, so that article that I mentioned from mm-hmm. the Cincinnati Inquirer. So its headline beautifully summarizes this, this story in this event. It says, Cleveland girl wins big spelling bee. Southern children balk at entering contests with little colored miss, but finally lay aside prejudice. Dash, dash. She beats them easily. (laughs) I'm like, the Cincinnati Inquirer is fucking coming for you, New Orleans. I mean, I'm like, that's the whole article. That's the whole article. Team is being super racist. They decide to compete and they're beat by this little black girl. Like, fuck you. End your racism. So despite the horrific racism coming from New Orleans representatives, though, uh, the Daily Scioto, Scioto, I don't know. It's a county in in Ohio. The Daily Scioto Gazette reported that, 
quote, the little girl was congratulated by hundreds, even members of the New Orleans spelling team shaking her hands. Yeah, because it's probably not the kids that have the issue. It's probably the parents. The all of the like really hateful quotes and information we have about like the New Orleans representatives, they're from the adults. Yeah. And I'm not going to say that all the kids on the New Orleans team were like. That, that, you know, well, fine, it, but... Well, and people pick things up from their parents. 100%. So. 100%. But I thought that was really sweet. And I get it, again, I think it's very indicative that racism is learned. And therefore, if we address it early, you know, maybe in education and actually like talking about our nation's history and not shying over it, it won't be as big of an issue. Just saying. I don't know. I don't know. Those are pretty big takes, Emily. Uh, hot takes. Might be a... Too controversial. Too, entirely too controversial. Hey, maybe we should, like, teach kids about slavery that was a dominant that definitely sin happened. in our country for oh, like, hundreds, hundreds of years. Hundreds of years. No, no, because then, because then we're going to make white kids feel uncomfortable. Yeah, it's too much. Oh, my God. Slavery should make everyone feel uncomfortable. It was awful. Yeah, it was. Jesus. Like that's like the understatement of the century. Yeah. So uh, after Marie's victory, the New Orleans school superintendent, Warren Easton, apologized to the city of New Orleans and promised that the school board would never allow their white students to compete in northern states again. So he I was like not apologizing re- for his shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I was going to say, like, I like that his reaction is, I'm sorry that I let our kids go and get beaten this competition in the north. Yeah. With those... Dear sweet Jesus. With like, those come insane, on. integrated, liberal northerners. And again, the North was not exactly some integrated utopia. Don't get me wrong. But it's like, I'm so sorry that our students who we are teaching to be think that they're racially superior were beaten in an academic competition by a black child. I am so sorry I let that happen. Like, what? Yeah. Um, So he stated, quote, We deeply deplore and regret the unfortunate occurrence at Cleveland and the pitting of our children against a... Jesus Christ. He he didn't... He he said a different word that is not... I just... I don't even want to say it because I know how he meant it. It's still not okay. Because there... You know, it's... I know that was a common word at the time and there are some instances in which it's being used as kind of a statement. He's yeah. using it in a shitty way. And yeah, I just you like just know that he's using it like in a, the derogatory. Yeah. Like with a sneer. Yeah. And I just I'm like, I don't even want to do the voice. I just I don't want to say it. So despite his overt and disgusting racism, he was censured by the New Orleans school board for allowing such a travesty, such as having white students compete and lose against a black student. Like he really, it's almost like he went in overtime with the racism because he was be, trying to like be like, no, 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 I'm super racist. Just like y'all, like I'm also really upset about this. And they're like, you still let this happen. Like, Get the fuck s- out. Believe you. Go yeah. Away. I mean, he is just awful. Everyone is just awful. And there are a lot of faces that I would kick for sweet little Marie. Oh yeah. Fortunately, not all of New Orleans had it out. For this literal child, Marie. 
New Orleans black community was fucking thrilled. And they actually planned to host a spelling bee in Marie's honor at the local black YMCA. Aww. And at first I was like, why, why do they call it the black YMCA? Oh, cause segregation. Mm-hmm. Yep. However, then mayor Martin Berman forced the events cast cancellation quote over race questions. And I read that and I'm like, Oh my God, we are still using that kind of language. Like the race question, like, oh my fucking God. It's yeah, it's never ending. You're the one who's making it a problem. You're the one who's making it an issue. Right. You stupid fucking piece of shit. Let's all remember this is a goddamn spelling bee with children. And they're like, hey, we're super proud of what this girl did. Yeah. We're going to throw something in her honor. Not like to like shit on the city and the city's like but what about race and they're like are you are you fucking kidding me the mayor of this city shut down an event hosted by the black community at their own thing yeah that the mayor makes them have because they're not allowed to go to the regular ymca yeah it's it's so fucking it's so all of it is and it's so absurd like it it almost feels comical how absurd it is but I think we really need to stop and remember these were very real ideologies these were really these were very real events and these were very real feelings that had significant consequences and I think what's even more important to say is not only was this a thing, this is still still a thing. thing. It has changed forms. It has become more covert, but we are still feeling the effects of it. 100%. So while Marie should have been proud of her accomplishment, she would spend the rest of her life trying to run from it. What? Racists targeted Marie and her family and the teen found herself at the center of a racially motivated shit storm. Are you kidding me? She won a fucking spelling bee. I know. And like, I just have to keep saying that because it is so fucking absurd. Like, come on. Like, it's a spelling bee. It's so fucking innocuous. It like, What? (laughs) Were spelling bees a bigger deal in the early 1900s? Is there something I, I'm missing I'm, here? I'm guessing, like, the, the big deal is that it was the first, like, national one. Yep. And and she won. And it was, yeah, it was integrated. And when I say integrated, I mean that so loosely. because well, yeah, because she was the one, only one. Yeah. Like, so, she was the only one that was not white. It, it was technically integrated. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Technically So due to the abhorrent treatment of black people in the U.S. and perhaps partially because of how they had been targeted, the Bolden family moved to Canada. Yeah. They left the fucking country where Marie married and lived the rest of her life, never speaking of her spelling bee victory. Her grandson, Mark Brown, commented, quote, I can only speculate as to why she never mentioned it, but I suspect that the experience of going from pride at victory to finding herself in the center of a storm of prejudice must have contributed. Like, I I think that's the part that's also really upsetting. This is a 14-year-old girl. She's won this national competition. She's got a gold medal. Booker T. Washington gave her a thumbs up. Like, this whole, like, this should be a really wonderful moment. And it, and like, Racist used her victory to target her. I don't want to say it made her a target because no, no the racist made her a target. Yeah. Like they targeted her. That was something they did. And she never talked about it. I'm like, this poor little girl 
had so much shit thrown on her that shouldn't have been put on her. And like, I'm sure she was worried about her family and like, oh God, if I hadn't won, we wouldn't be going through this. They had to leave the fucking country. It's insane. So it wasn't until decades later after Marie had passed away in 1981 that her grandchildren learned of her story. Oh my God. While going through a box. so sad. I know. I'm like, Marie, I just want to fucking talk to you. So while going through a box of her old belongings, they found a newspaper clipping about her victory and they started like learning about it and they're like, holy shit. And this was historic. And this was a really, not only was it the first national spelling bee, but this was during a time where obviously racism is thriving and it was a significant blow to racist. It was a significant victory for the black community to have a black student win this and to show that, Hey, we can compete in educational competitions too, because again, one of those stereotypes is, you know, they're less intelligent, all this other stupid shit. And this this empirically proves that's garbage. So legacy. Thanks to her family, Marie's story is getting more attention. And while her gold medal has been lost to time, which hurts me physically, because I'm like, you know, it's out there somewhere. It's fucking somewhere. You just got to find it. (laughs) Get some get some national treasure shit on this. Her legacy (laughs) does continue. Uh, In 2021, 14-year-old Zalia Avant-Garde became the first Black American to win the Scripps National Spelling Bee, which started in 1925. They actually, I think it was the first Black competitor won in the 1990s. She was from Jamaica. Yeah. But the the Scripps is kind of what's like the, the big, it's the show for spelling bees, but that didn't start until 1925. Okay. Uh, Marie's story has become a source of family pride. Her grandson, Mark Brown, a retired school teacher, has passed Marie's story down to his own daughters who are, quote, amazed at the strength of this great grandmother of theirs. How cool is that to, like, find out there's a literal, like, hero in your family? Like, this 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 historical figure who, like, kicked ass. So Mark went on to say, quote, I think there's a great sense of pride in the fact that our family history is based on sacrifice and people being adventurous and taking on a new life and not letting things hold them back. Because even though it's like really sad that they felt the need to leave the country because the U.S. was just so awful. I mean, she clearly still thrived. Like They she got persevered. Married. Yeah. They persevered, you know, and the, like nothing held them back. They, spell, they, spell that one, Emily. P-E-R-S-E. E-R-V-E-R-E. I don't know. You don't know your notes in front of you. Shit. Yeah, but I have to scroll up and I don't know where I am. So even though in this story, Marie gets a little lost because we only have quotes from like newspaper clippings and we don't know a lot about her life before and after the spelling bee. I wanted to end this with a word from Marie. So after she won, she was quoted in the Plain Dealer newspaper saying, quote, I just kind of gritted my teeth and made up my mind that I wouldn't miss a word. And that's the story of Marie C. Bold and the Spelling Queen Bee. Spelling Queen Bee! That's a, like that's such an amazing story. And yeah, like it always frustrates me when um like when we don't know more mm-hmm. than that or when everything we know is secondhand. Um and yeah, I'm so glad that like we get to hear the story at all. Yeah. 
But yeah, this was, I think I stumbled upon this like on Facebook or something. I don't even remember, but it was one of those things where it was like, did you know that the first winner of a national spelling bee was a 14 year old black girl? And I'm like, I did not know that. Please let me read more. (laughs) Hey guys, we know times have been tough lately for all of us. And during hard times, it can be difficult if you don't have anyone to talk to or it can be hard to talk about certain topics. Being alone with your thoughts can be isolating. This is why we are sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen to and help you. Talk to your therapist in a private online environment at your convenience. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. Thank goodness. There is a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's 20,000 plus therapist network that gives you access to the help that may not be available in your area. You just fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs, and then you get matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. That is Amazon fast. Then you schedule secure video and phone sessions. Plus, you can exchange unlimited messages, and everything you share is completely confidential, just like with an in-person therapist. You can request a new therapist at any time at no additional charges. If you want to talk to someone about your mental health, you can get a 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash herstory. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash herstory. So Kelly, my darling. Yes, Emily. Who are you whining about? Who am I whining about? I'm actually whining about a different Emily. Your word is kismet. Exactly. Kismet. K-I-S-M-E-T. Kismet. That'd be way too easy for a spelling bee. I mean, depending on the age group. So so we That's did true. a spelling bee. We did a spelling bee in my school when I was growing up every year. And it was like each classroom competed. And I think it was like the top two students got to go and compete in front of the whole school. I always got close. To like God, competing in front that. of the whole I school. So much. I was a decent speller, but it was funny because they changed the the difficulty depending on the grade. Yeah. So the first word every year for the kindergartners was fox. But every single year they started with Fox. And I'm like, someone's got to start writing down the words and just see if they use the same list everywhere every year and then just memorize it. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, Emily, Emily figured out how to hack the spelling bee. Emily, <laughs> it's not that she was a great. Years I mean, later, I will say part of a spelling bee is memorization. So if I can memorize how to spell the words that they're going to give me, is that really cheating? Probably. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> Do I really care? No. But it was the Catholic school, so Jesus definitely was watching. <laughs> But okay, so you're whining about an Emily? Yes. I've never met a bad Emily. I love this. I'm whining about Emily Warren Roebling. Oh my God. Warren is one my uncle's name. Okay. That's, that's just weird to me. <laughs> Why is that weird? Well, because it's Emily Warren. It's like, that's my name. And then my uncle's name. It's two names that are in my family or closely related to me. I'm just going to shake my head at you. So, so tell me more about Emily Warren. Tell me more about Emily Warren Watership Down. <laughs> Jeez, I need to take a drink. <laughs> Give me a moment. No. So Emily Warren was born in 1843 in Cold Spring, New York. She was one of 12 children of Sylvanus Warren, which 
Great name. Sylvanus. Yep. Ooh. He was a New York State Assemblyman, and his wife was Phoebe Lickley Warren. And God bless Phoebe. Right? For pushing out 12 goddamn children. Oh, my God. Can you imagine taking care of 12, even if you did not give birth to them? Let, no. Let's 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 take out the physical take trauma. Care of, like more than one child. Here's the thing: as much as I love my dogs and my cat, can you imagine taking care of twelve? No, and five was too many. Easier than children. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly was nice enough to watch my dogs while I was out of town for the weekend, so she had five dogs in her house. No. And it's one of those things that, like, for a weekend or even for a week, it's fine. But like for more than that, no. Oh yeah, yeah. I, cause most days I have three dogs and a cat in my house and that can, that's kind of yeah. like, like three is three is enough. That's where I can handle it. Yep. And even that's not, it's like, I can handle it because I'm just watching one of them. They're not right, like you mine. Know, you know, they're not permanent. But if this was like, yeah, my day to day, I think it might be too much. That being said, I will keep sending you and my fella paws and claws oh, yeah. listings and asking, should I get another cat slash dog? And I will still be like, yes. And he'll be like, no. Yeah. <laughs> he'll put his hand on my cheek and go, no. <laughs> and I'll be like, yes, please. And one of these days I'm just going to show up with another cat. Yep. He's just going to be like. <sighs> he'll be like, only one. Yeah. He'll be like, oh, thank God. It's just the one. Right. <laughs> Little does he know I have more in my car. <laughs> You're like, no, this this is just the least squirrely one. I drove around with my trunk open and full of tuna and just whatever cat jumped in is now mine. <laughs> I'm going to be one of those people that needs like a farm so he, she can just bring <laughs> home all the cats, but then they're all just out- outdoor cats. The catcher yeah. in the rye. <laughs> Anyways. So despite Emily being told much of her young life that women don't need higher education, nor was it really highly or available 12 cats. back then. <laughs> I don't think she has to worry about that one. Um, Emily had an intense interest in education. So like, even though she was always told like, yeah, hey, you don't really need it. She was like, but I want it. Yeah. Daddy, but I want an education. Honey, what about a pony instead? No, Daddy, I want to go to school. Fine, princess. There's fucking 12 of you. I can't deal with this right now. Just go. Just go. There's one less of you in the house. Get the fuck out of that. Go to school. Go jump off a bridge. I don't care. There's too fucking many of you. Right. (laughs) Um, So I couldn't find what her parents felt about it. But uh, one of her older brothers who at the time was a major general in the uh, army. I don't know. I couldn't find that either. I didn't look into it. In some military He was a major body. general in something um, whose name was Governor K. Warren. I'm not joking. His first name was Governor. Oh, that wasn't a title? No. His, his title was title was major, major general. So, okay. He At was least I major ass- general I think Governor so. K. Ward. Warren. Warren. Yes. Major General Governor J. Ward. Oh, no, no, no. K. Mr. K. K. Whatever. Warren. It's literally the least important part of his name. Oh, don't call me Mr. Warren. That's my father. Call me Governor. Yeah. So his, his, <laughs> oh, his name. Governor. <laughs> his name was Governor. Apparently, Kemble was his, was his middle name. Uh, yeah. Oh my god! It's like those old Puritan names where it's like mercy, pain, suffering. Yep. Wet napkin. 
Yeah, and it's it's very much the like Just. British spelling of governor. There's a few U's thrown in there. Oh, oh, so so they they didn't pronounce it governor. They it's pronounce governor. it governor. Um, oh, governor, yes. <laughs> I'm never gonna let. I'm trying to go. see if he was like married. <laughs> like, I don't think he was. I fucking I can't deal with. That we always talk about the names that we need to bring back. That is not one of them. No, he had a daughter, so clearly he was married at some point. <laughs> I guess he, he didn't have he, to be married. He, he stooped someone yes, at one point um, who may or may not have gone. And it was oh, it, governor. It was the army. Okay, Just, I pulled up his Wikipedia. Um, he was he apparently was someone not super important, but he he helped during the Battle of Gettysburg. Interesting. Okay. Back to Emily. So I could, like I said, I couldn't find what her parents said, but her her older brother, who I'm assuming was probably one of the like the elder, and he mm-hmm. she was in in the like lower end of the twelve, yeah. but he was super super supportive. They had a very very good and close relationship, and so in her teens she would travel to Washington, um, where like he lived because he was mm-hmm. in the army. Um, Wait, the so t- her brother is named. Governor? Yeah. That's her brother. That's her brother? Yeah. Oh, her, her, her parents I think are was... Sylvanus and Phoebe. Okay, why no, why did I think that was like her uncle or something? No, that's her brother. Oh my god, this is the most insane shit ever. One of she her got brothers. So fucking lucky with the with name Emily. Emily. Yeah. She got so fu- she could have been patience. I mean, her she dad's name been... was Sylvanus. I mean, that's not a weird name though. It is. It's unique. It's a main character in World of Warcraft. That's I... all I can think of. <laughs> I was gonna say it sounds fantastical, but it's not governor. It's like, oh, this is my son, President I mean, Watercrest. You have to remember, like, this is 1843. Governor probably wasn't that weird of a name. It's no, it's definitely a weird name. I, you know, I find it interesting that he was one of the older brothers and they were already naming their kids things like governor. Like, do, do you <laughs> think they, they, they ran out of weird names? So they she stopped got named caring. Emily. They stopped caring. By that point, like the mom is in a post-birth hay. She points at the baby book and they're just thankful that it's like a feminine name for their right. little girl. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, she would travel to Washington and attend the prestigious Georgetown Academy of the Visitation. That could have also been her name, Visitation. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Georgetown. No, I mean, it could have um, been. That, that's, that's actually her uh, second oldest brother's name. Yeah. It's Governor and Governor, then Georgetown. Governor Georgetown Visitation Roebling Warren. <laughs> Goddamn. Um, so she would study history, astronomy, French, algebra, and housekeeping and needlework and, you know, the feminine arts as Jesus well. Christ. Because she probably had to. I will say I would rather take needlework and housekeeping than algebra. Same, Any day actually. of the week, algebra and sucks. French. <laughs> oh no, God! No, like France, you're great, you're fantastic. I do not want to learn your language. No gracias. Um, no me gusta la idioma francés. Yeah. So during the American Civil War, Emily would visit her brother, Governor, of course, uh, where he was headquartered. Um, at the time, he was commanding the Fifth Army Corps, and she would attend a soldiers' ball while she was visiting him, and become. Acquainted with a man named Washington Roebling. Washington was just such a hot name at the it time. probably was. Second um, to governor. <laughs> so Washington was the son of a man named John A. Roebling, 
who is the designer of the Brooklyn Bridge, which will come more oh, into play. But, oh, so he's kind of a hot, hot shot. Uh, the Brooklyn Bridge has not been built yet. Oh, Oh, so he's, he's a to-be-hot shot. The dad designed it. like So he's like a architect or a planner. Yeah. The building of the bridge is part of this story. Okay, okay. I'm, I, I won't skip ahead then. I thought that was just like a fun fact. <laughs> I mean, it is. But the bridge hasn't been built yet. <laughs> but so Washington um, was a civil engineer and was serving on governor's staff. Yep. Yep, we're we're I'm I'm powering through. Otherwise, we're going to be here all day. Tell um, me more about how he served on governor's staff. And when Washington met Emily, he fell madly in love. And even though she would go back to school, they kept in like constant correspondence, like hundreds of letters, um, to the point where like they they agreed to, and they agreed to marry each other. And a year later, they were married. So Emily is now Emily Warren Roebling. Okay. Okay. Good. I'm, so I, we're, we're one good. of the interesting things is she 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 was married in a dual wedding with one of her other siblings. Jesus, that was a thing though. Yep. And actually, economically, it kind of makes sense. But oh, yeah. I also am a selfish bitch, and I don't oh, want to yeah. share my wedding day. So, which is why I ate my other siblings in my mother's womb. Um, <laughs> sometime after they got married, within like that year, Washington would write to his sister, and I just found this quote very entertaining, and it says, "quote." Some people's beauty lies not in features, but in the varied expression that the countenance will assume under the various emotions. She is a most entertaining talker, which is a mighty good thing, you know, I myself being so stupid. <laughs> so basically, she, he's like, he's like, my wife's the smart one, and it's really fun to listen to her talk. And he's not. He's a civil engineer. Like, yeah. He's definitely super but smart. It, okay. To me, and maybe I'm just like identifying with her because we share the same name and we're basically connected at the hip. But like, it sounds like she gets, she's really impassioned. Like she gets really excited. She's very expressive. And I'm like, I'm feeling a little called out. Like, I hope that's what people think of me when like, because do you ever hear about, hear someone who gets really excited about what they're talking about? I mean, and me. they get really into <laughs> yes. it and you're like, I I'm just a love therapist. Seeing this. Are you kidding? <laughs> I know. But you like you love seeing it. You're like, wow, you're really into this. And obviously that's what our podcast is. That's the whole point. Exactly. And apparently some people like it. But I love that he appreciated that about her. Yeah. And then he like wrote to his sister about it. Yeah, it's fun. You go, Washington. So, yeah, that was that was a letter that he wrote, like that was in a letter he wrote to his sister about his wife, which I was like, oh, um. So after they got married, they would go on like a a tour of Europe, but not for the, the reasons most people go on a tour of Europe. So remember I mentioned his dad um, was the designer of the Brooklyn Bridge. So he, his dad was starting to, his work on the Brooklyn Bridge. And so the newlyweds went to Europe to study the use of caissons or cassins or however you say them, which are basically like watertight structures that like sit under bridges. And so, and so, like, they're those, like, watertight chambers that so you can construct things underwater. Okay. Okay, so so they were researching, like, okay, how can we replicate that to yes, construct because the we're Brooklyn Bridge? Be, exactly. Like, Honestly, we're going to be building a bridge. I'm loving this, like, nerdy research honeymoon for them. Right? I'm like, like that sounds cute. Th- this sounds... I love them as a couple. Yeah. And let me know now if I can't love Washington because he secretly no. sucks. No, he's, he seems like a decent dude. Okay, great. I'm loving this nerdy research honeymoon for that. Yeah. So basically it's like these big tubes or pillars or different things that are usually like sunk into the earth that are watertight. So then people can work. Yeah. Underwater yeah. essentially. Um, horrifying. Love it. Horrifying. And they, they 
can cause problems as they're being put in because you end up with like the deep dive or what are what is it called like the deep dive syndrome where you yeah essentially Yeah. yeah so that comes into play later too. What happened to Billy? He land drowned. <laughs> so interesting thing is, so that like they they left immediately in 1865 after they got married, and they returned in 1868. And while they were gone, while they were in Germany, um, Emily actually would give birth to their the, their only child, John Roebling the second. Aww. So named after obviously the grandpa. Um, on their return from Europe, um, unfortunately, like shortly thereafter, Washington's father would die of, of tetanus oh. following an accident at the bridge site. God damn it. So the Brooklyn um, Bridge claims another life. Probably the maybe the first one, but it, yes. It could have been the a first. A lot of people died. Yeah. Or not a lot. Quite a few people definitely got sick. Some died. There was actually uh my fellow and I went on a, a little like history walk on my birthday and we were learning about the construction of something and it was like oh like this many people died I was like is that all yeah I thought it would have been a lot more yeah <laughs> I remember when I went to like the state I think that ca- was also the construction of a bridge yeah I went to the state capitol and it has that like big empty dome and mm-hmm. yeah they were like there's a little plaque that talks about like oh this many people died while constructing this dome and I'm like huh yeah I think it was the stone arch bridge by the Guthrie it was like three or four people died. Yeah, I was like, like is I, I that think it'd all? Be, yeah, exactly. I would think it'd be more than that. I suppose wow. it's not like that big of a bridge. Good for still. them. Um, so Washington um, was assigned as chief engineer of the Brooklyn Bridge's construction following his father's death. And he obviously, like, he absolutely immersed himself in the project. You know, like, I think about, like, probably, like, grief and, like, how this was probably a way to stay connected with his dad. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, due to, like, the work he was doing, Washington would develop decompression sickness. Oh, yeah, that's the, the, like, the Benz thing. Yeah, I was like, which is the Benz. This is so weird. At the time, it was known as Quezon disease because of those, like, things that they were using. Like, this whole thing is just so horrifying and bizarre to me. And basically, he got it because he was going underwater in the water to study like the depth that they were putting these watertight things in at and yeah he ascended too quickly and got decompression sickness real real bad like real bad so severe that he ended up being bedridden oh no so he's bedridden confined to a sick room fearing that he's not even going to live to see the like the brooklyn bridge done because like they knew when they started the like the brooklyn bridge that they're like this is going to be a while. It's like, this a is project. Gonna take, I think it took like 10 years to build the Brooklyn Bridge. How sad would it be, though, if like this Both bridge people... took the the designer and his son yeah, exactly. who like took over? I, I would think that's a curse. Exactly. That's I'd be some, like, maybe we shouldn't build this bridge, guys. That's some Winchester mystery mansion shit. Does Emily just go on to build a never ending bridge with a bunch of weird <laughs> staircases that go to nowhere? <laughs> Rose Red Bridge to edition. deal with her grief. <laughs> Rose Red Bridge Edition, because <laughs> um, in Rose Red, like this woman is just constantly building a house. Oh, I that, I haven't and then seen that. She dies, and the house ends up built like is building it. Yeah, it's a horror movie. It's great. Oh, it. That, I mean, that's very like Winchester mystery. But exactly, mansion. like yeah, yeah. Um, now I'm Rose curious, Red, like, Rose Red. <laughs> I'm now I'm curious. Yeah, I'm like okay, like what came first? I mean, I think Rose Red is also a Stephen King novel. It's 
probably the way I, I'm sure it was like inspired by that whole idea of just building out of grief and insanity, even though that's not really what Sarah Winchester was all about, but it's maybe, maybe that's an October episode. We'll see. Please. <laughs> that would be awesome. Um, I am going to have to like look that up at some point. Not okay. Now. Um, but yeah, so he's bedridden and she is the only person like allowed to visit her husband during his sickness. Like, I feel like that was a very like thing. It was a thing during that time where yeah. like men would get sick and they were like, no, no one can see me in this weakened state. Well, and women were the caregivers. That oh, yeah. was, that was their whole jam. And so she would visit him and she, they would talk about the project and she started taking down notes on like everything he would say, like whatever had to be done or what like he needed to know. And so she, she would take these notes and then on the side, she also began to like study the engineering and the different things on her own. So she would study like different technical issues people were having with bridge, learning about the different strengths of the materials that were being used. She was doing stress analysis and cable construction and calculation on different curves that were going to be used in the Brooklyn bridge. So she's teaching herself all of this engineering stuff while also like not only taking care of her husband, but like, helping him like relay what needs to be done. And every day she would go to the site, the Brooklyn bridge building site to convey like, okay, like here's what the engineer is saying needs to be done. She, she's taking over the project management. Yes. Exactly. Oh my While God. Still keeping him in the loop. Like she's not just like, all right, you're sick. Bye. Yeah, no, no, of course. But like, I, I think that's so sweet, but yeah. also it's so impressive because like, I, the idea of building a bridge gives me so much stress. Oh God. I, I, I look at like the documents and I'm like, I don't understand bridges this. Bridges stress me <laughs> this out. This is French to yeah, me. Like, oh my God. This is Greek to me. I'm like, no, this is French. This is French upside down, backwards, run through Google translate 20,000 times. Yeah, exactly. It means nothing. So yeah, she would go to the job site, talk to the workers, convey her husband's instructions, answer any questions they had. She would keep incredibly detailed records she would answer any mail that they would receive and she would still go to social functions to represent her husband That's so it so wasn't cool. even like that she was just going to social functions for herself she was like no yeah. I'm, I'm going as his representative i love like dude, for this project specifically i love them as a couple because right? they seem to really respect each other they respect each other's intelligence. Very importantly for the time, he respects her like, intelligence. He's not like panicking, being like, how dare you represent me at social yeah. functions? How dare you like he's steal like, my job? Thank he's like, God, exactly. I've got this smart ass wife who can like, you know, do this stuff and I can trust her and rely on her. Right. And and I, I love that she's, I'm not like, she's not just being like self-sacrificing, like I'm doing it for him, but like, it just seems like they're actually in this together, but also yeah. imagine what would have happened if she hadn't been oh, able yeah. to step in like that. Yeah, like someone might have taken over the project, but they might not have known it as well. Exactly, exactly. Well, and she and her husband both have an emotional stake in this project. They, right. they're, they're passionate about it. Yep. So, yeah, Emily and her husband were jointly planning the bridge's continued construction. Like she would relay everything back to him and vice versa. And she not so not only was she attending these social functions, but she was dealing with like the politicians that were trying to step in or competing engineers or like people trying to like usurp her husband's position. Oh, and, yeah. Like, Ace. She's dealing with all of this stuff. And like she was so knowledgeable that a lot of people like 
there are some people, if you go on the, on the internet, like people are like, oh, she actually designed it. And no, she didn't. And yes, she kind of took over chief engineer's job, but she like, it's very much like it was her and her husband. Like she was the yeah. face of it, but she was getting help from him. So I'm like, I'm not trying to say like she did everything. Right. But I'm also not trying to like minimize what she did because she, in a time where women are, aren't as educated as men. Well, and unfortunately, you know, with her being the public face and the public figure of this project, as a woman, she has to try three times as hard she has to work three times as hard and she has to be five times better than the men around her to be taken even remotely seriously oh yeah like her husband and i'm sure she had to like use her husband you know i'm sure there was a shit ton of name dropping and being like but still you know washington said this and you know even if it was her idea it was probably she probably had to attribute like Again, not saying her husband wasn't involved. Oh, no. But even things that were her idea, she probably had to attribute to him because she's like, they're not going to listen to me if I don't say it's also him. But again, there are all these people that are viewing her as vulnerable. Oh, yeah. And trying to use that against her. And she has to hold her own there. I'm just saying there's a lot of stuff that she's dealing with that wouldn't have come up had it still been her husband that was oh, yeah, exactly. kind of running running things. So not only is she trying to collaborate on this project with her sick husband, but she's also having to combat the sexism and the stereotypes of the day while dealing with this like political shit because a civic project doesn't get done without a bunch of political bullshit. Right, like the political bullshit, yeah. Like she was going to have to deal with that regardless but yeah like all these there are other steps that are probably coming up that because she's a woman and because she is a like a representative Mm -hmm. yeah so um in i'm like what what where's my timeline in 1882 washington's title of chief engineer on the bridge was in jeopardy because of his extended illness you know people are like we haven't seen him in a while yeah can 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 we get a photo of him with today's newspaper right make sure he's still alive so in order for him to retain his position emily like went to work she lobbied for him in meetings with engineers with politicians she would she was defending her husband's work and being like you know he is still like the mastermind behind this um to both of their relief the politicians responded really well and allowed uh washington to remain in his position as chief engineer on the brooklyn bridge yeah i can't even imagine like the stress of that and like i'm sure and like because if it was like if it was me there's probably like part of her that's like god how how easy would it be just to like not lobby for him and just like let someone else have the position right and well, stuff like just, that because she's yeah, also like, worried about her husband ugh. who's sick and in bed and can't like I would just be like you know what don't fucking worry about it let this go and focus on your own health yeah but she's like this is really important to him this is important to me this is important to the family like if this is what he wants this is this is I'm gonna make it happen she is such a fucking real one yep I'm trying to, like, find the date that construction actually began. I can I can look it up for you if you want to keep going. Um, so it looks like the first casein was placed in 1870. Oh, sorry. So I don't know if that, that is considered when it started. But so 
so 1870-ish. According to uh, New York City Department of Transportation. Not when it was built, when it was started. Construction began in 1869. It was completed in okay. 1883. Okay. So it well, took yeah, we, were just, we were just about to talk about the okay. completion. So, yeah, 69 to 83, that's... 10 plus years. Yeah. There's no way to 14, know. 14 years. Impossible to know. Cannot confirm. So yeah, like Emily said, the Brooklyn Bridge was completed in 1883. Um, in advance of its official opening, um, Emily Roebling, like, so, so uh, according to what, family lore, family mm. history, whatever. You're, according to family lore. Yes. Um, supposedly in advance of the official opening, Emily carried a rooster across the bridge as a sign of victory. A lot of people say that that's like a rumor. Regardless of the rooster, she was her and, um, president Chester, president Chester Arthur, Chester A. Arthur, um, were the first two people like in a carriage to ride across the bridge when it opened. Okay. First of all. I love the idea that carrying a rooster with you could be a sign of victory. Yeah. She's like, y'all didn't think I could do this because I don't have a cock. Well, look at me now with this big cock walking across this bridge. <laughs> like, I want I want to see that. I'm just I don't know if that was the symbolism, but I'm sure. just imagining her like she she's not even like holding it in a bag. She's like holding it above her head and she's just walking with this really like straight look where she's just like Everyone can suck my cock. <laughs> like, I'm just like, I'm imagining her being really intense, just walking across the bridge, being like, y'all didn't think I could do it, but look at me with those roosters. Suck it. Like, that's what I want to know. Like, someone is like, you know, uh, a rooster as a symbolism for victory. I'm like, okay, what is the symbolism behind? Like, is that actually like a known symbol for victory? And I'm just unaware of it because it could be. I just, I just love the idea of her like, Oh my God, we're finishing the bridge. Crap, I have to find a rooster. And like going to neighbors' houses and being like, hey, can I borrow Honestly, a rooster? Honestly, that probably wouldn't be that hard to find a rooster. This back is then. true. This is true. But still, I just love the idea that like showing up at this grand event, you're crossing the bridge with the president of the United States and a rooster. <laughs> it's just amazing. I love it so much. Oh my God, you know what it means? Mm. She's the cock of the walk. Because she walked across the bridge. No, that was with a cu- no, That was so good. No. Shut up. That was good. No. That was good. Nope. Tell me I'm good. Nope. Tell me I'm good. Tell me I'm good. No. Damn you. <laughs> so at the opening ceremony of the bridge, um, a competitor of the Roeblings, Abram Hewitt, said, quote, the name of Emily Warren Roebling will be ins- will be inseparably associated with all that is admirable in human nature and all that is wonderful in the construction world of art. He called the bridge, quote, an everlasting monument to the self-sacrificing devotion of a woman and of her capacity for that higher education for which she has been too long disbarred. So this is a competitor, like, coming out and being like... I was going to say that is not where I thought that quote was going. No, and it's interesting because, like, some of the sources I read, like, talked about how, yeah, like, certain competitors were, like, were saying, oh, it's going to be associated with her and it's a negative thing. Yeah. But then I saw, like, I found this quote in, in other articles and I'm like, okay... At least this competitor is isn't saying it's a bad thing. It's saying like, hey, like this, yeah, like this she is a symbol of devotion. She fucking did it. And also, I do like that. I like the the capacity for women for higher education, which they've been too long disbarred. Like yeah. guys, like 
Women can do this. Also, I love that on our women's history podcast where we whine about women from history that you haven't heard of. We're whining about a woman whose name will be irrevocably associated with the Brooklyn Bridge. <laughs> like I've never like, heard of her. I don't know if it's just because we don't live in Brooklyn, but like I'm like, yeah, like I, I feel like there are there are some women that out there like that are like that, that I'm like, I definitely should have heard of this person. And I haven't. And I'm mad about it. To be fair, I have never even really considered who designed the Brooklyn Bridge. Yeah, but I, I am wondering, in like, general. If, if we have any listeners out there that have taken architecture classes or engineering classes, is this someone that's taught about? Like, do they only talk about, like, her husband or her, her uh, father-in-law? Like, yeah. Or is she mentioned? Because she did. She learned all the shit to do it. Or is like, so I'm very curious. Do like, people in Brooklyn still carry roosters across the bridge? Is that one of those like weird state laws that you're not allowed to do because she did it? Oh my God. What is the Minnesota one where it's like you can't transport a fowl on your head across, yeah, state, across lines. state lines? Particularly, I think it's to Wisconsin. Like, yeah. To or from Wisconsin. Oh my God. Which I don't think it's actually a law anymore because I tried to look it up once, but yeah. Anyways. We should just try it. <laughs> so upon completion of the work of the Brooklyn Bridge, Emily would shift to supporting several like women's causes and just kind of just campaigning for various causes. So she would she would work on the Committee on Statistics on New Jersey's Board of Lady Managers for the World's Columbian Exposition in Chicago. Hashtag lady managers. Honestly, that was the entire na- committee name. Oh, though. my God. Try putting that on a T-shirt. Jesus. Yep. Uh, she also were, was on the Committee of Cirrhosis, Daughters of the American Revolution, the George Washington Memorial Association, um, which a lot of those, you know, it, it's a lot of like historical issues in the U.S. Yeah. Um, and then she also worked uh, at Evelyn College briefly. Um, and then the family would end up moving to Trenton, New Jersey, the capital of the state. Everything's legal in New Jersey. Right. She would continue participating in social organizations such as the Relief Society during the American, the Spanish American Civil War and helping like organize getting supplies and like, because obviously like she's really good at getting people to listen to her. She's really good at getting shit done. Right. Well, okay. The bridge that killed her father-in-law and like made her husband bedridden, she still got it built. Yep. So, of course, she's like, oh, gap, like organizing supplies. This is no big deal. Yep. She would also travel widely. And here's some insane like facts about her travels. Uh, she was presented to Queen Victoria when she visited the United Kingdom. Oh, shit. She was in St. Petersburg, Russia for the coronation of Tsar Nicholas II. Oh, shit. Like, those are the two big ones. I know, but still, though, like, those are two... Those are two, like, massive things. Yeah, those like, are two... Like, not everyone gets presented to the queen. Well, and those are two powerhouse historical figures. Yeah. You know, like, even if you don't know anything about her history, you know Queen Victoria and you know Tsar Nicholas. Right? Have you heard... There's <laughs> a rumor in St. Petersburg. Have you heard that Emily's on the visit? Town? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> We both went the same. And there's Emily's in the street. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, she she like went all over. She would continue her education and receive a law certificate from New York University. And she would write an essay called "A Wife's Disabilities," and this was published by a law journal. And it was 
um, basically an argument for women's rights and would rally against discriminatory practices that targeted women, particularly in education. Um, and even though she wrote it, she signed the essay with her husband's initials, W-A-R. And I don't think it was anything to do with like saying his, but he supported her. And I think it was kind of like, Hey, like I have the backing of my husband. I'm not just like a wife stepping out to like bitch at things. Also her husband's initials are war. I know (laughs) actually that's a common misconception. It wasn't her husband's initials. It was her declaring war on the patriarchy. But also I love that. Like, um, Oh shit, I totally lost my train of thought there for a second. Oh yeah, so like one of the reasons our podcast is called Whining About Herstory is not just because we drink a ton of wine, but because when women bring up real issues that actually impact them, they're told that they're whining. So the fact that like she shouldn't need her husband's backing, but yep. the fact that a man in a position of power and privilege supports her lends credence to what she's saying. So it's harder to dismiss her as just being like, mm, she's so whiny. She must be on the rag. Meh, 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 meh. If only they got March off for their periods. Meh, 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 meh. I mean, you're going to keep whining about that. I mean, I'm never going to stop. And then when my period stops, I'm going to whine about hot flashes. <laughs> it's not going to be Emily's hot takes. It's going to be Emily's hot flashes. Right. Also, um, her husband did kind of recover at this point. Like, so he is like there and doing stuff with I'm her. I'm glad. Um, he did like have to deal with some of the side effects and the treatments like throughout his whole life. This yeah. wasn't something that just like magically went away, unfortunately. Yeah. So yeah, just, I just wanted to like point that out. Man, he, his, that family gave a lot for this fucking bridge. I want there to be a statue of a rooster in their honor. I want them to have a family crest that that prominently features a rooster. I just, I, I can't get over that imagery of her carrying a rooster across this fucking bridge with the president of the United States. Yeah. I I want to dress up as her for Halloween. I'm going to be otherwise like a unidentifiable, like Victorian era woman, but I'm going to have a rooster. And if you know, you know. (laughs) That would be kind of fantastic. I do love that. If people don't get it, I'll just be like, I'm cock of the walk. And I start walking. Like I I feel like there's a saying that's similar to that, but it's not that. No, cock of the walk is the saying. It's like when you think you're big man on campus, it's like, oh, someone thinks they're cock of the walk. I've like, it sounds okay. I am correct. I I will die on this hill. (laughs) Okay. So go on. Tell me more about Emily and her rooster and her bridge. (laughs) Emily and her rooster and her bridge. I mean, at this point, the bridge is complete. So, you know. Um, Still her fucking bridge. I mean, her and her husband's her bridge. Her and her husband's. Oh, my God, it's their bridge. Do you think they ever went across it and they're like, oh, my God, it's our bridge. Oh, no, they definitely did. With their with their pet rooster, Charlemagne. <laughs> um. Okay, so... <laughs> Charlemagne. Why Charlemagne? Because it is a regal name for a regal beast. I feel like. Also, I love the name Charlemagne for a rooster. 
<laughs> I feel like there's so many better names for a rooster. Like what? I don't know, but not Charlemagne. Exactly. You can't think of any because Charlemagne is tops. <laughs> We're going to fight about this later. Go on. <laughs> I'm just going to like stare you down. I want this art of Emily and Washington walking Charlemagne on a leash across the Brooklyn Bridge. Roosters don't get leashed. Yes, they do. Yes, Charlemagne does. A little, because a little vest with like a like gold chains. It's not actually a leash. It's oh just my like God. a little like. Have you seen those things where like people 3D print arms? For chickens and roosters. Yes. I want him to have one of no, those. It's and it's got a little cane in also, one hand. And he's got a bow that's tie. Way too modern, Emily. <laughs> I just want the little vest. Hey, if they could build pyramids in ancient Egypt that corresponded with the stars, I think someone could fashion some tiny arms for Charlemagne to hold his little cane while he walks across the Brooklyn Bridge with his mommy and daddy, Emily in Washington. You know, they actually had a child. Like, we talked about this, right? Who is Charlemagne's sibling? Maybe the, the little child. The would be child? named Colonel, by the way, not Charlemagne. <laughs> That's actually pretty good. Yeah. After governor. Colonel. Colonel. Colonel Charlemagne Warren Roebling III Esquire. <laughs> I can agree to that. Um, <laughs> so sadly, Emily would pass away at only 59 years old. Her husband would outlive her. <laughs> what the fuck? By like 23 years. What the f- I'm choking on that information. Um, what the fuck? Yeah, because she would pass away February 28th, 1903. Oh. Yeah, so like two days ago, but like 120 years. <laughs> right after my birthday. Um, she had stomach cancer and like so in in her later years when she wasn't traveling at like the sicker she got the the she would spend a lot of time with her family but she would keep socially act and mentally active like she she lived a really good life she she was only 59 and yeah her husband would live until like 1926 and i'm like jesus christ like good for you but come on like i'm not i'm not mad i am surprised exactly <laughs> so uh legacy obviously like what Emily did led to not a lot, sadly, because yeah, like it, it was very much credited to her husband and her husband's father, which I get. And they, they, it's not that they don't deserve credit. It's that she also deserves credit. Yep. Um, although I will say today, the Brooklyn bridge is marked with a plaque dedicating, dedicated to the memory of Emily, her husband, Washington, and her father-in-law, John. And Charlemagne. Colonel. Colonel Charlemagne, CC Warren Roebling, the third Esquire. <laughs> um, and then in 2018, she was part of New York Times's um, Overlooked series. Love so she it. She got a New York Times obituary, and um, there's apparently an HBO series that's like the late 19th century called The Gilded Age, and she was. There was a character based on her in like two episodes. Oh, that's cool. Um, which I don't know if that has the rooster in it because apparently it, it does deal with like the bridge's opening festivities. So you might have to go check that out, Emily. Um, my, yeah, like, my main man, Charlemagne. Even though, yeah, like it does pull in, you know, or not that doesn't pull in, but like her doing this like did bring kind of this face of like, okay, a woman can one, manage people. Yep. Like be out, a leader. Outside the household. Be a leader. Yeah, be a leader. And yeah, they can learn 
everything that a man can learn. And this is in the Victoria era, Victorian era. And I, I didn't kind of, I didn't really put that together until you said she met Queen Victoria, but that was an incredibly restrictive area era for women. Yeah, so Even though so Queen Victoria she, was like the leader of England. I so. mean, I feel like England was a little bit better than the U S well, but it not was, a it was still a very conservative time for oh, women. Yeah. But yeah, like I think about like the fact that she was even like allowed to represent her husband, particularly at social functions, in political meetings. Like that surprised me when I first read this. I was like, I'm kind of surprised they weren't just like, no. Yeah, no, I and I I think that's a testament. I, I don't want to discredit how much harder she probably had to work to get that respect and get that to, to get to where she was where to the point where she could actually do the job that she needed to do. Right. But I think it's also a testament to how qualified she was, how intelligent was she say, was. Like, I think it's a testament to, yeah, like her intelligence and obviously like her husband talked about how like animated and passionate she gets. And I think it's a testament to that too of like, she probably just like walked in and if they like started giving her shit, she was like, no guys listen. And like, just like yeah. got super into it. Well, it also sounds like she was, she didn't just have um, intellectual intelligence, but she had emotional intelligence, oh, clearly, which yeah. those things do not always come in hand in hand. For example, I like to think I have emotional intelligence, but I definitely maxed out on that character feature. <laughs> <laughs> and the the intellectual part is uh, a bit lacking. That's funny. <laughs> but I can yeah. come up with great rooster names. So that's cool. According to you. No, I'm kidding. Hey, um, Charlemagne is a great name for a rooster. I'm Okay, I'm going to talk to my friend who actually has chickens. I'm going to ask her, like, okay, is Charlemagne a good name? I mean, but like, that's so, like, it's such a subjective thing. Therefore, it's totally correct because if it's objective it and honestly, I feel it's it correct. Means it is both correct and incorrect. It's Schrodinger's Charlemagne. <laughs> Schrodinger's chicken. The cock is both correct and incorrect until you open the box and realize Emily was right the whole time. <laughs> I I can't believe I've never heard of her. I know. I'm st- like I'm still mad about it. I'm a I was little mad stunned. when I wrote this. And I'm still mad about it. Yeah, that that's so cool. I'm going to have to ask my, my fellow has some friends who used to live in Brooklyn. I'm going to have to ask if they've ever heard of Emily Roebling. Yeah. But yeah, I just, I liked, like I said, the guy, the com, the com competitor. I liked that the, like an everlasting mm-hmm. monument to the sacrificing devotion of a woman in her capacity for higher education. Like I just, I like that. He's just like, no, like it, cause it is like, it, it, it will always be a monument of how much she loved her husband, essentially, even if people don't know who she is. Well, and I, it doesn't seem like she was so concerned with her legacy. She obviously deserves her legacy and deserves to be remembered, but she achieved her goal of not only making sure the bridge was completed under her family's name right, for her husband that he got to live to see it like all of the all of the immediate impact that she wanted to make she did she did yeah i don't think she was she concerned about the every legacy. single thing that she set out to do yeah yeah i do not think and she unfortunately was we have not 
remembered her, but now you and I know of her and we'll never fucking shut up about her. She's like, do you want to know an interesting fact about the Brooklyn Bridge? Yeah. <laughs> no? Well, too bad. It kind of reminds me too of, um, I think it was Woodrow Wilson. He was, so he was present and he got really sick. And so his wife, Edith, basically acted as president for a while because he was super sick. And so she was like running the country while being like, oh no, he's just out for a minute. Like, blah, blah, blah. but you know, that whole idea of a, a wife stepping up for her husband and, but also showing how capable she can be. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Hey, Emily. Hot damn. Thank you, ma'am. Yeah, what are you thankful for? Oh, shit. Um, I had a really good birthday. Aww. I had a really good birthday. Um, my, my coworkers at the hotel sung me happy birthday in the lobby, which was, it was sweet, but I hated it. But they also gave me a little bunt cake, which I loved. And then actually, um, one of my regular guests, she came up to me while I was serving drinks in, with her with her mother. And she's like, my mom wants to sing you happy birthday. And I was like, she absolutely doesn't have to. And they got like some of the other guests to do. And I, it was very sweet. And then uh, I got to spend the weekend in the cities. And I got to see the Mill City Museum, which I've been wanting to go to for a couple years. It's uh, It's an old flour mill. Because Minneapolis used to be the, like, flower capital of the world. Mm -hmm. And that building has exploded slash burnt to the ground only God knows how many times. And you can actually still see the ruins of the part that burnt to shit. It was incredible. And we got to do the walk across the historic Stone Arch Bridge. And, like, it's kind of like a heritage trail that we got to do. We went to a speakeasy. We saw the Minnesota Orchestra. We got a bunch of sushi on a sushi train. Like, it was one of those restaurants where, you know, have, like, the sushi is, like, on a little track. Mm-hmm. And it travels yeah. around the restaurant. Yeah, it was one of those. Which I'm like, oh, this is so fucking cool. It was, it was just a really good trip. It was amazing. I had so much fun. And it it was also one of those things where I'm, whenever there's some kind of like milestone or year marker, whether it's New Year's or your birthday or an anniversary, you can't help but kind of stop and take stock of what the last year has been like, where you were, where you are now, where you want to be. And I actually feel like for one of the first times in my life I'm kind of becoming the person I want to be versus just like well I'm not terrible I'm doing all right but I'm like oh my god I'm like doing a lot of the things I actually want to do and I feel like I'm genuinely becoming a person that I want to be and that's a really nice feeling that is really nice. Like, especially when like you can have that realization on or near your birthday of like, yeah, damn, like, look how much I've grown. Look, like I'm making progress. Yeah, no, it, it was a good feeling. It was a good feeling. And even though a lot of that comes with like stress and feeling a little overwhelmed, I'm like, I look and I'm like, but I really like all the things I'm doing. Yeah. And like, I'm sure I can learn to manage some things a little better so I don't get so overwhelmed, but I'm very happy with all the things I have going on in my life right now. So that's cool. Kelly, what are you thankful for? Also, I'm really thankful for the dinosaur picture you add to my birthday post because I, I that was a good day and I have always wanted to ride a dinosaur. So I love you. You incorporated that. Good. 
I, I, I love dinosaurs. I like flipped through all of our old photos and I was like, this one, she just <laughs> looks so triumphant. I was so happy. That was a good day. That was a very good day. Um, I'm thankful. I'm thankful I got to spend some time with my siblings over the weekend. And I'm just, I'm really thankful for one, like their desire to like have relationships with each other and myself, you know, like, and two, that they're, we're all willing to make time for each other. Cause yeah, like there's a six year spread between me as the youngest and my sister, who's the oldest. And yeah, like growing up, that was, you know, that's enough that like we weren't close at all. And yeah, like we very much, all of, all of us went like our own directions in life. So it's, it's nice to like all of us be intentionally like wanting to reconnect and wanting to do stuff together. And like, we did an escape room and that was a lot of fun. And, you know, we, we played board games and we all get like competitive, but like in a fun way. And yeah, it was just, I'm just really thankful for like the the ability to do that, the desire to do that. And just for my, my siblings in general. I, I do love that because I um I don't have any siblings. Yeah. And the only sibling relationships I really have to judge are my dad's and my mom's relationships with my my uncle and my aunt, which are they're very they're both very my parents are both the youngest and there's like a ten to eleven year age gap. Oh, yeah. And um my aunt and my uncle definitely have their own set of issues where you know my parents just aren't super close to them so I love the idea that as adults you are you actually want to spend time together because you know when you're kids you have to whether you like it or not but now that you're adults and you've grown to the point where a six years six year age difference doesn't mean as much that you actually want to that you appreciate each other as people yeah versus well, you're my sibling, so I guess I have to deal with you or interact with you at family functions. But I really love that. And I know that there's been, you know, tumult in your life and your family's life. And so the fact that you're, that you and your siblings all have each other through that yeah. is, I think, is really beautiful. Hmm. I've always liked your siblings. They're they're good people. And they put up with my chihuahuas. So, <laughs> Yeah, it was fun. Also, I looked up Rose Red in the background while we were talking. <laughs> and okay, so it was a it, it wasn't a book by Stephen King, but he did write it. And it was originally um going to be like a movie because it was it was part of it was like a loose remake of The Haunting, but then they released a new The Haunting before Rose Red got made. So they expanded the script with elements such as like things um such as um in uh oh such as um that the haunting hits. of hill house yep. book not the movie right um and yeah the winchester mystery house mhm so it was yep. incorporated in that after the fact i was going to say it's, it, it's it feels a very like too much of a good mini st- series it's it's probably pretty dated because it came out in 2002. Well, I mean, but it's, it's like good. The, the It miniseries. I I know them. I know people have really liked the movies. And to be perfectly honest, I haven't seen either because I don't Neither need I. to see a killer clown. I don't need those nightmares. I've got plenty of my own. Uh, but it's like 
the it miniseries was the definitive telling of that story. Yeah. You know, I love a good miniseries. Remember we watched what was it? The 10th kingdom all in one night. And then we went on a hike the next day and I basically didn't sleep for over 24 hours, but I was so happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And but I'm yeah, like, it's, it's really good. Yeah. It was a lot. Well, thank you so much for listening to the first episode of women's history month, even though it's Yay. women's history month every week on this podcast. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Whining About Herstory. Like us on Facebook at Whining About Herstory, Instagram at WAHPAD. Our website is whiningaboutherstory.com, where you can find a link to all of our social medias, a link to anywhere you would want to listen to our podcast. We also have a link to our merch, our Patreon, where you can donate for as little as $1 a month, our Buy Me a Coffee, which is a $5 one-time payment to buy us a bottle of wine. And we we'll, we will find something related to you or what you tell us to t- to buy. Support small women owned businesses. Yes, which of which we are one. Yep. Yes. Very small. Very small. There's two of us. Um, well, okay. It depends on if we count my our dogs and my cat because and our lovely IT person. Yes, because I I do frequently post on our Instagram of like, oh, I've got the unpaid interns helping me and it's like Arthur and Max on my lap sleeping and doing absolutely nothing. Right. <laughs> except like keeping me bums. except keeping me in my chair yeah. so I get my work done. <laughs> yeah. Um you can also find no I already said merch. Rate us five stars wherever you listen. It'll piss off the patriarchy. Right? And it costs you nothing. It costs you fucking nothing. Mm-hmm. Nothing. 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 Yeah, enjoy your Patreon for as little as one dollar a month. We're about to record uh, our next Hursery happening, which I am so deeply excited about. I've been kind of like on constant vibrate mode since I finished my notes, and I'm I'm fucking here. I'm fucking here. I cannot wait. But yeah, it's coming out this month. Join our Patreon. Become a Do member it. of the funerary cult for as little as one dollar a month to listen to it. Maybe Please. it's her. Maybe it's patriarchy. <sighs> Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Whining About Herstory. Yo soy Amelia. And I'm Kelly. Have an empowered day, y'all. Bye. Bye.